Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to exclusive content brought to you by Seekers Guidance. We are committed to make reliable Islamic knowledge accessible and free of charge. Help us in our mission by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org slash donate. Even $10 a month can go a long way. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa afdhanu salaa wa atamu taslim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin maftahi ba birahmatillah Adada ma fi ilmillah salatan wa salaman daimaini bidawami mulkillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in اللهم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم نوينا التعلم والتعليم والتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والحث على تمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى وقرب زدني علما الحمد لله وcontinuing and coming uh, very close to the end of Imam al-Haddad's The Book of Assistance as we come towards the end of the blessed month of Ramadan and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these uh, few moments that remain to us whether it's one or two nights that are left we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He accept our fasting and that He accept our prayer and that He accept our recitation of the Qur'an and all our good deeds and that He forgive us uh, our wasted time and he forgive us our misdeeds and he forgive us our sins innahu arhamur rahimin wa akramul akramin and we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he uh, grants us the best and most beautiful of endings to this blessed month and the best and most beautiful endings to our lives ya arhamur rahimin amin so imam al haddad we're now on chapter 30 of the Book of Assistance, and Imam al-Haddad in this chapter is covering another one of the states of the heart. So in the last several chapters, we've looked at patience and gratitude, and uh, 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 patience being fortitude, and repentance, and hope, and fear, and turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here Imam al-Haddad is talking about renunciation. And this is uh, a translation of a word which is quite hard to translate into English. The Arabic word is zuhud. And zuhud means, uh, it can be renouncing the world or worldliness. It can be detachment. Uh, and really what it is, as Imam al-Haddad will explain shortly, is recognizing that, you know, there's a, a famous saying that my brother uh, always reminds me of. He says, you know, don't love something that doesn't love you back. Or that can't love you back. Uh, the dunya doesn't love you back. And people, they're attached to it because they don't understand its true nature. And they don't understand what we are actually made for. So Imam al-Haddad is going to talk about this noble uh, virtue of the heart. And we're also going to look at trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the two are related. Uh, many of them, they're all related in one way or another. But inshallah, we'll see how they're related here, bi-idhnillah. So Imam al-Haddad says, You must renounce the world, for renunciation, zuhud, is the forerunner of felicity. 
the manifestation of providence, of divine, divine assistance, and the sign of sanctity. Just as loving the world is the origin of all sins, so also is hating it the origin of all obedience and excellence. And this is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that the, the fountainhead, the source of all mistakes is love of the world. And what Imam al-Haddad means here by hating it is not hating the life that we've been given. It doesn't mean that a person is pessimistic and negative and things of that nature, but that a person realizes that it's one of the, that worldliness and that attachment is one of the enemies of the human being. One of the enemies of the human being, there's the nafs, which is the greatest of all the enemies, the ego, the lower self. The shaytan, the devil, the dunya, worldliness, and hawa, whims, a person's whims. So two internally and two externally. It is enough to make you renounce the world to know that in numerous passages in his book, Allah has called it the comfort of illusion. The comfort of illusion. So it's not true comfort. And the thing is, if someone, for example, let's say someone says, you know, I'm going to eat this particular food, but then they realize that the food, it might taste good, but they're allergic to it. They have a really bad allergic reaction. Even though the food might taste good, the person says, no, no, I won't even put a little bit in my mouth. I don't want anything to do with that. The same is with the dunya. It's mata'ul ghurur. It's not true sustenance. It's not true nourishment, it's just comfort of illusion. And that Al-Hassan Al-Basri, may Allah have mercy on him, said, it is as the greenness of vegetation and the toys of girls. Like it's uh, uh, something that fades and passes away. Abu Talib Al-Makki, may Allah have mercy on him, said, the comfort of illusion is a name for a putrefying carcass. Now, it's kind of uncomfortable imagery, but that's the whole point. Is that if someone is, it's, it's, uh, let's say someone just passes away, and that person was, uh, in their life, they were uh, attractive in nature. But they passed away, you don't see it, but it, they're already decomposing. So you realize that, that that beauty is only skin deep. And it's fading fast. So it's not something to be attached to. And it's not something to admire in and of itself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defined the world as being but a distraction and play to which no intelligent person should pay any attention and to which only ignorant fools are attracted. Allah says, the life of the world is nothing but play and distraction. Know that to renounce the world is an immediate felicity, is immediate sa'ada. And that only those whose hearts Allah has opened up by the dawning of the lights of ma'rifah, of gnosis, and yaqeen, certainty, are capable of it. That a person is only capable if the light of knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his attributes and knowing experientially, not just intellectually, realizing who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and having yaqeen 
is that the, the light of those qualities allows a person to renounce the world. The Prophet has said وسلم, when light enters the heart, it opens up and is enlarged. It becomes vast and it becomes expanded. So one of the Sahaba asked, is there any sign for that? What's the sign that nur has entered the heart? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us nur. The Prophet said, yes, there is a sign. To shun the abode of illusion and to attend to the abode of immortality. That's the sign that light has entered your heart. So we should all, honestly with ourselves, not in a way that's uh, debilitating, but we should all call ourselves to account. How much light do I have in my heart? Oh, it feels like a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is a this is a a way that you can measure shunning the abode of illusion and attending to the abode of immortality and eternal life. He also said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, renouncing the world relieves the heart and body, while desire for the world increases worry and sorrow." This hadith. Imam al-Haddad is he has amazing uh, amazing remedies and cures for what we're even going through today. When I read this hadith recently because subhanAllah, you know, sometimes you go through experiences in life and then certain things impact you in a different way. So when I read this hadith recently, I said this is this is like the solution for so many of the problems we face. Renouncing the world relieves the heart and body, while desire for the world increases worry and sorrow. And if you look at the vast majority of people in the world today, whether they want to, you know, um, medicalize it or give it a diagnosis or not, a lot of people struggle with anxiety. A lot of people, they're worried about things that are, one, not happening, two, not in their control, and it's just like this constant like hum inside of people. You know, I've met many people who are just like, I'm worried I'm gonna be homeless. It's like you're in like the best educational institution in the whole country. You're doing well, you have family. Why are you worried about something so unlikely to begin with? Other people just say, I'm constantly worried. It's just this, this constant uh, internal struggle. And you empathize with people, we feel bad for them. But then we realize that the Prophet ﷺ, he told us that love of the world, desire for the world, increases worry and sorrow. Because it already is something that the love of the world is a disease. And a disease has, uh, has effects on people. There's you know, certain things that happen when someone is diseased that is meant to make them go, okay, you know what, something's not right. I need to fix this. I need to find the cure. And the one who renounces the world and only takes the little that they need and is not worried about amassing it, is not worried about keeping up with the Joneses, is not worried about what car or house or all these things. Yes, a person needs to think about, do I have shelter? Do I have food? Are my family's needs met? Yes, that's a responsibility. That's intelligence. But going above and beyond, what kind of job am I going to have? And then the way, subhanAllah, this, it's actually a dajjalic system. This is a, one of the things that people don't realize is so much of the way that, that we're living today is a system that 
we're part of, and it's not a conspiracy theory, just think about it. It's a system that we're part of that makes us into modern slaves. So nowadays, people are graduating from university with very few tangible real-life skills and a bunch of debt. Getting any kind of capital, whether it's a house or anything in the world, and why do we seek those things? We seek those things to be independent. Like in Arabic, the, the, the word for rich is actually not rich, it's independent. Al-Ghani, someone who's not in need of other people, right? which is why it's one of the names of Allah subhanahu Allah has no need of anything, of anyone else or any creation. Allah has no need. Everything is in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you see that people are worried about the future. They're you know, going into debt before they even have any skills that guarantees them some sort of income. So people are even more burdened by that. I, I see it with a lot of students. People graduate, they have a hard time finding a job, hard time making ends meet. They're already so deep in debt and they you know, went through so much emotional turmoil just to get through university and so forth. For what? You know, and, and we need to think about other ways of being. And one of the things that the ulama recommend based on what the Prophet taught us is, you know, figure out how to sustain your basic needs. And then whatever Allah gives you on top of that, you know, alhamdulillah. But learn how to like plant food, learn how to be entrepreneurial, learn how to sell things, learn how to, you know, be flexible and dynamic in different situations. You know, uh, learn how, you know, let's say, for example, um, you're out camping, learn how to do certain things, where to find fresh water and all that kind of stuff, right? But the whole point is the way that we're living makes people worried and anxious and burdened by things that are not even necessities in life to begin with, right? So anyway, I just found this hadith to be so profound because everyone thinks it's in, it's in mental health and mental health is very important. And as someone trained in counseling, I realize the value and importance of that. But what a lot of people don't realize is many of the things, we're not talking about you know, acute cases uh, that are dealt with by mental health and medical professionals, that's one thing. Just like if someone has a physical disease, they go see a doctor. But a lot of the emotional and spiritual things that we go through, the solution, the Prophet gave it to us. So we need to find it and look for it. Another hadith of the Prophet says, renounce the world and Allah will love you, right? Re renounce, izhad, you know, have zuhud and detachment from what's in people's hands and the people will love you. Have zuhud in the world and Allah will love you. So the way that you have the love of the creator and creation is zuhud. Why? Because when you have zuhud from people, people don't think you're trying to take advantage of them. I don't want to harm you. I don't want to take anything away from you. Man, I love you. You're better than most people out there. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the reason Allah loves you is because they say that the heart is a, a container and the love of the dunya and the love of Allah cannot exist in one heart, just like water and fire cannot exist, uh, coexist together in one container. So when you renounce the world, it means that you love Allah 
and and that the response or the gift that's given in return is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love. The origin, now Imam al-Haddad is going to tell us how we get there. Right, so it's, it's important, so how do we get there? He says the origin of renunciation is the heart's knowledge of the vileness and insignificance of the world. And that, as a hadith mentions, had it been worth so much as a gnat's wing to Allah, he would not have given a disbeliever a sip of its water. So in other words, the, the world in and of itself, its intrinsic value is very, very small and insignificant in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another hadith states that it is accursed and all that it contains is accursed except that which is for Allah. Except that which is for Allah. And in another hadith, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and teaching and learning. And that anyone who takes more than is necessary from it is unwittingly taking his own destruction. The intended result of such knowledge is to abandon inwardly desire for the world and to abandon outwardly delighting in its pleasures. The lowest degree of renunciation is that one is not induced by the world to commit a sin. So that's a high level. A high level is not to take any more than one needs. And this is the approach of Imam al-Ghazali and Imam al-Haddad and other ulama. Some ulama have said, if a person takes more than what they need and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them certain things, then in order for that to not be held against them, then they should have abundant gratitude. They should be very grateful and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and express their gratitude and love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those blessings that they've been given. But uh, uh, this is the approach of Imam Haddad to really, uh, it's like dunya minimalism. You know, now everyone's into minimalism. You know, if it doesn't spark joy in the akhirah, get rid of it. <laughs> right? The lowest degree of renunciation is that one is not induced by the world to commit a sin nor to neglect any act of obedience, while the highest degree is that you take nothing from it unless you know that it is more pleasing to Allah than to leave it. And there are many degrees in between these two. Sincere renunciation has many signs. Among these is that one does not rejoice for what one has, nor mourn for what one has not, and that the pursuit and enjoyment of the world do not distract one from that which, which is, is better for one in the sight of his Lord. So once again, that these things are, a person should be grateful in, in and of the fact that they are gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that if a person is able to use them for good or as a means to good, then they can intend using it in the service of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if it's something like taking care of one's family or having a car in order to be able to you know, in today's world, get from place to place and work and groceries and things of that nature, or to have a place to live so that a person's in safety. But all of those things really are serving the believer so that they can have the, the, the space, the mental uh, capacity and physical capacity to worship Allah. All of those things are means to an end. And if a person has a good intention, then all of those things become ibadah. Remove the love of dinars and dirhams. Remove the love of money from your heart until they become as pebble, pebbles and sand in your eyes. 
remove the wish to be thought highly uh, to be thought highly of from your heart until you are indifferent to people's praise and condemnation and to whether they are attracted or repulsed by you. For the love of prominence is more harmful than that of money. And both of them indicate desire for the world. Once again, Imam al-Haddad is he's pushing us higher. He's pushing us higher. You know, if this is the first time a person hears this, they might say, well, that's very hard. But in reality, all of these things are freeing you from the shackles of the dunya. Money and the desire for it and a person spending all this time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring you your rizq. That's guaranteed. And seeking it in a halal way is a, a, a form of obedience. And avoiding what is haram is a form of obedience. But being obsessed with it. Oh, you know, how much money am I going to make? What about this? How can I get more? How can I get even more? How can I get better? I don't want to just uh, settle and be happy. I got to always be hungry and so forth. It's like, you know, uh, that's not what you were created for, to think about all those things. And then thinking about where, what place you have in people's hearts uh, and look at the world that we live in today. It's, you know, even the, the average person, even before people can even think about money, young kids are sucked into this consideration of what do other people think about me. And that's an even darker prison than the prison of money and the shackles of money. They say, uh, uh, you know, if Allah, is, if Allah is pleased with me, then let whoever is angry be angry and whoever is happy be happy. Because if Allah is pleased with me, insults and praise are equal in my eyes. Because they're from created beings. Like, if Allah is not happy and everyone praises you, that's, that's, you can do nothing with that. And if Allah is happy with you and everyone criticizes you, their criticism doesn't affect you. So created beings, we're all veiled. We're all limited. So even if we uh, think well of someone, it really, what matters is, inshallah, what, what, what uh, esteem they have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and vice versa. The basis of the love of prominence is to love being considered great by others. Now greatness is one of Allah's attributes. And this thing is therefore disputing His Lordship. The basis of love of money is the love of enjoying one's desires. And this is an attribute of animals. The Prophet ﷺ has said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Greatness is my lower garment and pride my upper garment. I shall cast anyone who disputes with me with regard to either of them into the fire of hell. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection. Another hadith states, Two hungry wolves let loose into the sheep's fold will not devastate it more than the love of prominence and money do to a Muslim's religion. Two wolves that are let loose in a herd of sheep will do less destruction than the love of, of prominence and the love of money will do to a Muslim's religion. Take little from the world always and confine yourself to your needs, whether it be in the matter of clothes, food, marriage, housing, or any other comfort. Beware of indulgently seeking its pleasures while claiming to renounce it, using arguments unacceptable to Allah and, in, and contriving interpretations which are far removed from the truth. The way in which the Messenger of Allah and the Prophets before him and the leaders after him 
shunned the world's pleasures while able to enjoy them, uh, uh, licit, while able to enjoy them licitly in a way that's halal, is quite obvious to anyone who has the least knowledge. If you are incapable of renouncing the world and you admit your desire for it, you are not to blame. You will only have sinned if you pursue and enjoy it in a manner forbidden by the Sharia. So then Imam al-Haddad tells us this is at the level of the Sharia, as long as you're not doing anything haram, you haven't done anything sinful. But the level of the heart is the high road, is the path of ihsan. So a person should strive above that. Renunciation, zuhud, is a degree higher than this. Would that I knew, even had Allah the Exalted made it obligatory on us to take liberally from the world, where we would have found the ability to do so, uh, where we would have found the ability to do so at a time when, when it has become arduous to find even illicit garment with which to cover oneself decently and enough licit food to allay one's hunger. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. We are Allah's and to Him we shall return. So Imam al-Haddad is saying, even if Allah commanded us to take from the world, how rare and difficult it is to find halal sources in today's world. 300 years ago in Tareem. Nasar Allah tawfiq wa taysir. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq and ease. So that's zuhud. And uh, uh, wherever we are in this path, we should strive to just go against our nufus. If a person uh, uh, normally gets, you know, the nicest of clothes, a person can say, okay, you know, I don't need this degree of clothing, or I don't need this many, or I don't need to always get, you know, uh, the things that I like. Maybe once in a while, I won't give in to my nafs, or I'll get something a little bit less. Maybe not, you know, the best quality where I know everyone's going to be, you know, looking at me a particular way. Or if I'm looking at particular things in the world, I'm really trying to see how they facilitate my service to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a lot of times the dunya gets in the way. Okay, say you have a really big nice house. It takes a lot more time to upkeep and clean it and mow the lawn. And those things are not bad, but it's time. And time is your life. But if you have something simple and small and it suits your needs, cool. And alhamdulillah, it's clean and it's safe. You know, you have everything you need in a smaller space. You have a lot more time for other things in life. And then you don't have to spend so much time at work paying it off. <laughs> Subhanallah, someone told me a statistic. I mean, these are things that we have to tell people so that we can provide them with solutions. Someone told me a statistic for Canadians, for every dollar a person makes in Canada, they're in debt a dollar and ten cents. For every dollar a person makes, they're already in debt a dollar and ten cents. Something's wrong with that equation. Something's wrong with that equation. And zuhud is a solution. Live simply. You know, uh, uh, aspire to do great good in the world. Aspire to, for, with lofty aspirations. But they're not in things. They're not in stuff. They're in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you tawfiq of actions and of uh, uh, benefit and good states. So then, in order for a person to really be courageous to have zuhud and to really you know, not be uh, burdened by the dunya, they need to have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the next chapter.
which we'll read right now. Thank you for listening. This lesson was brought to you by Seekers Guidance, the world's first truly global Islamic seminary. Visit seekersguidance.org to access reliable Islamic knowledge taught by qualified teachers. We offer a wide range of courses, podcasts, articles, and a world-class answer service, all completely free of charge. This is made possible solely by supporters like you. Be a partner in this blessed work by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org. Even $10 a month can go a long way. Our beloved Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, Whoever guides someone to goodness will have a similar reward. So don't forget to share this lesson and join us in spreading prophetic guidance.